Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, church! I'll tell you what, we've got some exciting things on the horizon of time. And, uh, you know, we've got Torn Wells coming in November. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be on a Saturday night, uh, as you just heard at the Lakeland campus here. Uh, and then in two weeks, we've got our Fall Fest uh, at both campuses. We're going to be bringing out all types of carnival rides uh, and just fun things. We're going to celebrate uh, people coming to Christ. Between now and the end of the year, between all of our campuses, that are meeting physically. We want to see 500 people come to Christ. Uh, And uh, we can't wait for that. Uh, And so we're going to be pushing hard towards that towards the end of the year. So we've got a lot of fun things planned. Uh, This series, The Invitation, is where we're encouraging you to bring people to church. Uh, and I think we're in that season where it's, it's beginning to shift, where we can start seeing more and more people come back to church and more and more visitors who may be open, uh, open to come to church. And all of this is for uh, to see the kingdom of God established in the lives of people. And so I want to invite you to bring people. Uh, and we'll do invite weekends uh, strategically because we know sometimes it's easier to get people to come to like a carnival uh, or to see a comedian or something like that than it is to just say, hey, come to church. Uh, And so I want to invite you to do that. It's going to be a great time for families. It's going to be a great time for kids. It's going to be loads of fun. You don't want to miss that. That's the last Sunday in October. Uh, And then in November, we're going to start a new series uh, about happiness and how to walk in happiness and thanksgiving. And I think it's going to be just a a real critical season for what's been going on in the world and just talk about how to maintain our joy. How many of you know joy is not a luxury? It is a spiritual necessity uh, that even in tough times, we are to count it all joy. And we're going to talk about why in that series. And then uh, how many of you know December, it kind of themes itself. Uh, It's Christmas. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's birth, and we're going to have a great time. In fact, this year for Christmas, we're selling out more than ever before. All of our lobbies at all of our physical campuses are going to be absolutely beautiful. Our Christmas production is going to be through the roof. Uh, So we're super excited about all this, but each one of these series, each one of these events are designed for one thing, and that's to bring people to Jesus. Uh, And so we're going to advertise, and we know some people will come for that, but we also know from just doing church studies and different things of studying our membership uh, that it works so much better when people come with someone. And the reason for that is, you can imagine, especially in a big church, it's like, well, how will I ever get to know somebody? And so people may come for the event, but they find themselves wondering if they could ever fit in. Uh, But when you come with somebody, they can introduce you to the people that they know. They feel more comfortable sitting by someone. You can show them how to check in your children and their children, I guess, you know, that type of thing because you've already been there before. Uh, And so we have seen through studies that if we don't get somebody connected to about six or seven people, we'll lose them in a matter of weeks. 
Uh, and so it helps to make those connections when you come with someone. So for the month of October, when you bring somebody with you, not only will the visitor get a gift, but you will get a gift as well. Uh, and so make sure you did that. And if you brought a visitor today, make sure that you get your gift at our welcome centers at all of our locations. And speaking of our locations, can everyone here at Lakeland, can we give it up for everyone across town at Highland Colony? We love you, church. Uh, we had a great time at the 8.30 service, and we're excited that you joined us at the 10. And then can all of us give it up for everyone watching online today, no matter where you're watching from, we're excited to have you with us. And at the start of next year, we'll be on Fox uh, for an hour every Sunday morning, uh, and so that's exciting. Uh, so we've got that coming through the works. So our online campus is growing, and I'm excited too, because I, I pray within this season we're beginning to see... Uh, more and more people feel comfortable to come back to church. And I was in Costco the other day. Anybody else like Costco? Uh, like, I'm a fan, and I'm, I'm not paid. You're <laughs> uh, But I am a fan of Costco. And I was in Costco yesterday, and I saw this family. I recognized their eyes, and uh, they had their little children. And I'm like, it's so good to see y'all. I'm catching up with them. And when we're walking away, the, the little guy said, uh, I'll see you on TV in the morning. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and that kind of thing. But I, like, I walked away and I got very emotional because I'm like, that's still so many people's reality where we have more of our church still uh, participating online than in person. And, and uh, I just can't wait to see this get out of our world so that everyone can feel free to congregate together. Because I'm telling you, I'm thankful for online church, but nothing beats assembly uh, and coming together and worshiping. Uh, and so we're, we're just so thankful for that, and we love you guys, and we pray that as soon as you can come into assembly, man, we would love to see you here with us. Uh, open up your Bibles, if you brought them today, to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. On the screens, they're going to go to John chapter 1 and verse number 41. John 1 and 41 on the screens, uh, and scripture, we're going to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, so, a number of years ago, I went on a mission trip uh, to Botswana, uh, and it was absolutely one of, not just one of my favorite mission trips, but one of my favorite trips, period. Uh, I led my small group, and this is one of the things I would like to see more as the world opens and we get mission trips going back up. I would love for your small group to come into a place of such community that you want to take a mission trip together uh, and that kind of thing. And so we were uh, uh, on a mission trip, my small group, and, and we were ministering to men. And we had some other business people from Texas that we did not know join in with us. And we went with uh, a missionary who was there and then another minister who was coming in to teach on men. So we're all there and we're teaching and preaching for about two weeks and just kind of hanging out and fishing and like just amazing. Like it was like this beautiful trip in every way. Uh, and always on mission trips, you know, you go with the idea that you're going to be a blessing to the people, but you always just receive far more than you give. And Anyway, uh, so we're there at the, the, like, the second to the last night, and we're all sitting around a table, and the guy who was kind of like over the whole trip and that kind of thing stood up and said, I would like everyone at the table to talk about what you got on this trip. Like, what did this trip mean to you? And the way it worked 
uh, I went last. Uh, so I had the opportunity to go last, which I'm like thankful for as a speaker because I'm like, this gives me time. Time to prepare, time to see what everybody else is going to say, uh, and time to plan uh, what I want to say. Uh, and so it finally lands on me, and I made my decision that I would briefly talk about what each man on that trip added to me, like what the trip added to me a lot, but I want it to be, you know, specific and, and like really say, this is what you brought to me during this trip, and those kinds of things. So I go around the table, and it gets emotional. I'm crying, they're crying. It really was like a divine trip. And I finally get to the guy who's on my left, which was the last guy, and he was one of the businessmen from Texas. Now, I have spent two weeks with this man. Uh, we have preached together. We have ministered together. We have been in, in, like, closed cars, like, you know, crammed up against windows together. All of this. Uh, but I have a very strategic weakness as a pastor. Like, I have a flaw as a pastor. Uh, and some of you have probably already figured this out. Uh, okay, not just a flaw, let's be honest. I am flawed. But this is one of the big ones, especially as a pastor. I'm awful with names. Like, I, I will forget your name fast. I just am. And, like, I, I have to have help and, like, all of these kinds of things because I'm just not good at it. And maybe I need to change my confession. But anyway... In the past, I have not been the world's best at remembering people's names. Uh, but nevertheless, I feel compelled. Like, I know this guy's name on my left, and I'm like, and Bob, and just start telling Bob all that he meant to me, and he starts, like, tearing up, and everyone at the table is, like, and listening intently. And we get up from the table, and the small group of guys who was with me has also spent two weeks with this gentleman. They walk up next to me, and they're like, we think you renamed him. And I'm like, wait, what, what do you mean? They're like, we don't remember what his name is either now because you said Bob so emphatically. Whatever he was before that moment, he just became Bob. And I'm like, wait, his name is not Bob? Like, no, his name is not Bob, but it is now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I didn't have the heart to like go and apologize. And so I still don't know his name today. Uh, it is, it, to me, he forever, and always will be Bob. And if I saw him tomorrow, it would still be Bob. Um, so anyway, I did not do that on purpose. But you see Jesus uh, do this in this story uh, on purpose for sure in the book of John. John chapter 1 and verse 41. He first find us his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus looked at him, and I love this, oftentimes you'll see this in scripture when it comes to Jesus, and I just love the spiritual intimacy of this, uh, he beheld him. Like, so it's not like this glance, it's like this intent look, uh, to look and see who you are. How many of you know uh, the Lord beholds you today? Like, you have his attention uh, in the most beautiful way. You have the Lord's attention. Have you ever felt ignored from someone that you loved? Um, you have the Lord's attention today. He beheld him. And he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. So he like even brings his dad into the equation. He's like, we know your dad named you Simon. 
but not any longer. <laughs> you shall be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. Now, Cephas is where we get our word Peter. So he's like, you're no longer Simon, and I know your daddy named you that, but I don't care. I'm telling you from here on out, you're no longer going by this name. You will forever be Bob. You will forever be Peter. Uh, and so he has this moment where he, he changes his name. Now, here's one of the things that I find fascinating. When you look at Scripture, this is not like a one-time occasion. All throughout Scripture, God comes to people, and he's like, this is actually not who you are. Uh, I know they have called you Jacob, but really you're Israel. You're not Abram, you're Abraham. Uh, You're not Saul, you're Paul. Uh, And God comes into the lives of people to change their identity so that they can reach their destiny. Because if God can't change my identity, he can't take me to my destiny. Um, Now, out of this, I I really felt um, um, compelled, led, if you will, uh, to talk about something that I think for so many of you will hit you right where you are, and then for others of you might be a seasonal thing where a year from now or 10 years from now, maybe the Holy Spirit will bring this message back to you. But oftentimes in life, we find ourselves uh, in our relationship with our Heavenly Father praying about something. We want something to change. I want a job, or I want to get into school, or I want a better grade, or God, I want friends at school. Or, you know, God, I want to be seen by my parents, or God, I want to, you know, uh, get into this college, or God, I want you to, like, fix this about my family right now. It, it needs restoration, and I want something to change. I want to make more money. Uh, I want to get a raise. Like, I need this bill paid. God, I want you to fix something. Now, God is your heavenly father, and he is most definitely interested in the some things that you are concerned about. In fact, he would tell us all of those things that you would care about, cast those cares over upon me because I affectionately care for you. I want those some things fixed. Uh, Today, actually, uh, my daughter is on the front row, and I will embarrass her today because I can. I am her father, and I reserve the right to do so. I'll pay the price for it later. Uh, But she just turned 15 today, ladies and gentlemen. It is her 15th birthday. So out of that, we have where we mark their heights. Like ever since they were two years old, I've been marking as soon as they could stand. Like I'm like, I will mark your head uh, and examine how tall you have gotten. Uh, And so for her and her brothers, I have their heights marked and it's, it's done connected. So I can track, you know, and they can see where they are. Uh, and that type of thing. So this morning, I'm like, ooh, 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 I'm like, happy birthday. We got to mark your, your door. Like, I got to see how much you've grown. And of course, to me as your father, this is like one of my favorite times of the year when I get to mark their heights. And she's 15, so this is not near as interesting to her. But, but uh, for her eight-year-old brother, it is a big deal uh, because he wants to see, have I gotten any taller? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not your birthday. Uh, so out of that... Uh, we take my daughter over to the, you know, measurement system and we're, we're measuring her and like, you know, marking it with a pen. I'm like, okay, step away. And she steps away. I'm like, you have grown 
a half an inch. <laughs> and, you know, because she's 50. I'm so out of that, like I'm marketing it, and everybody's like, have I grown? Have I grown? And I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, so we line them up, and her eight-year-old brother, the whole, like, last two days, has wanted nothing more than it to be his birthday because uh, he sees the attention that you get on somebody else's birthday. So he's like, how many more days till my birthday? I'm like, it's too many to count. I'm like, Christmas even comes before it. And like, we're not even thinking about your birthday yet. He's like, but when is my birthday? I'm like, it's in February and your sister's is today and we're going to learn to be, you know, gracious uh, and celebrate your sister. So this has been a running theme today. Uh, so out of that, uh, you know, he's like, can, can you do mine? I'm like, on your birthday? He's like, well, just see how tall I am. So, so I put him up and, you know, he's, he's, he's going to turn nine. He's eight right now. And so I put it up and I'm like, you have grown. And he steps away and he's like, can we mark it? I'm like, it's not your birthday. We're not going to mark it. He's like, well, let me ask you this, dad could we do eight and a half? Like I am eight and a half and here's where I am at eight and a half. I'm like, no. Uh, and so we, we go inside uh, and here's my point. It's like in his worldview, when it is your birthday, it's like something will happen. Like I have a good father in my life, so something will happen. So I can't wait for something. I may not even know what it is, but like I have a father in my life, I have a mother in my life, I'm loved by a parental type structure, so something will change. And us being God's children, we do this all the time with God. Like I have a relationship with God, something will change. Uh, uh, We come into the construct of God, and especially when we see God changing something for others. Uh, that we come in and like, surely my season of life is going to change too. God, can we do eight and a half? And like all of these types of things. It's like we, we, we have this, this construct of like God is going to fix something that out of God being in my life, surely like more favor will be upon me and more grace will be upon me and like all of these other types of things and something will change. And here's what I, I really have seen here lately. And I believe it is if I may, like kind of like one of those prophetic type words of like a word for this season, and what I mean by that is, yes, God is interested in something changing because he is your father and he loves you. Uh, So he's all about the some things. Uh, But he's more interested in something else. Now, here's what you know if you have children, which I have three, Uh, that you're thinking about the some things in their life, birthdays, Christmases, like how are they at school, trying to make it easier for them, like all of those types of things, changing environmental type things. Um, But if you are a good parent, uh, you know that the someone changing is actually more important than the something changing. Uh, that there is, is things that you're interested in being developed in their soul more than you are interested in developing things around them. And you are interested in those things, but more than uh, about who they're becoming versus what they're obtaining. And this is your heavenly father. There are plenty of things he wanted to do in Peter's life for Peter, miracles that would later be wrought through Peter's hands where a guy laid at a gate called Beautiful is now walking and leaping and praising God because Peter walked by him. Peter had so much of God in his life that his shadow uh, in the book of Acts, when it hit people, was, was, was bringing healing, like some things happening all around Peter. But before these some things could happen for Peter, someone had to change first. 
And if Peter was only interested in the some things and missed the transition of becoming someone, the something never would have happened. Uh, it's, it's kind of like that old saying of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's like when the person is ready, uh, the something will come. It, it, God waits on Moses to develop on the backside of a desert, meekness. And then he lights up a bush. Forty years he waited. For the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, we'll read this here in a minute, 40 years he waited. Uh, for, for Joseph, Joseph interprets a dream for a, a butler in prison. And in this, the butler gets called out to be next to Pharaoh and is an easy ticket for Joseph to, to get out. But the butler forgets Joseph. Now, the Lord could have made the butler have a dream because he made the butler have a dream before. The Lord could have made Pharaoh have a dream, and uh, ultimately that's what he did to get Joseph out, but he waited three years. Why did he wait three years? Uh, Paul, God came to him and said, you're no longer Saul, you're Paul, you are persecuting me. You know, this open vision. Did you know that before Paul, like, went and did anything, God took him into Arabia for three years? 16 years David was in the wilderness. He's anointed king, like Samuel comes to him, pours anointing oil on him and says, this guy will be made king. 16 years later, he was. And my question is, why? Why don't we see some of the things change? Some of the things happen. Um, And I, I believe it's strategically because God is more interested and someone changing than something changing because when he can change the someone, it's easy to bring the something. And when something is not changing and we're asking God to change the something, it could be we're praying about the wrong thing because the something will change when the someone has gone through a period of transition and not just life. Uh, now, a type of shadow of this and one that the New Testament asks us repeatedly to go back and look at is the one we're looking at today in Deuteronomy. It's the children of Israel. They come and want God to do something for them. And what they want is a promised land. We have heard about this from God, you know, a land that flows with milk and honey. We want something. We want to be out of this wilderness. We want to be out of this, you know, kind of daily in need of a miracle. And we want to be in a land that flows with milk and honey. And God is like, well, before I bring you to a land that flows with milk and honey, I want you to see I'm a God that flows with milk and honey. And when you understand that, then we'll take you into the wilderness because I'm not just interested in bringing you into a promised land, I'm interested in bringing you, this is what he told Moses. Moses asked him, which way are we going? He's like, follow the cloud. Which way is the cloud going? Through the wilderness. But the easier way is over here. I know we're not going that way. I thought we were going to the promised land. We are, but first, you know what he told Moses? But first, before something changes, but first, he said, I'm bringing you into the wilderness to bring you unto myself. I have found that there's primary, I actually, I say I found this. I actually listened to this on a podcast, but I agreed with it, so in one way I found it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this week I was listening to this old, like, priest, and he was talking about throughout my, uh, you know, uh, monastery-type work. Uh, he's in another nation. He's like, I found two reasons why people come to Jesus. Great love or great pain. 
great love, they, they encountered love and they came or they had so much pain in their life that it pressed them in. They thought, I need a God. What a thing to need a father. Some of us, and this is pro- part of the problem, some of us don't realize how much we do need a father. Before I take you to the promised land, God said, I'm bringing you unto me. And until you understand that, we're not getting in. So the something I'm looking to change is a dependent heart in you, on me. And when this is changed, then that will change. And so finally, that is about to change. And they're on the precipice of it changing. And this is, this is really why I came here with this word. Is I believe we are on the precipice of it changing. Of something breaking through. Someone breaking through. Something breaking out. Like uh, the goodness of God, revival. I believe something is about to break out. We're on the cusp of something breaking out. We're on the cusp of something exploding. We're on the cusp of something changes. But before it does, something else must change. And you know what it is? You know what it is? You. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, And you shall remember all the way, now this is interesting, notice what he says here in Deuteronomy 8 and 2, remember all the way which the Lord thy God led these, these 40 years in the wilderness. They led, he led them through the wilderness, and God says, no, I, want you, I want you to think about something. I don't want you to just think about me. I want you to think about the way I have been taking you. I want you to look back at the past and I want you to see how things have gone. And he said, when you look at the way I led you through a wilderness, you went through a season that seemed like it was dry. You went through a season where it seemed like you needed a miracle a lot. Like (laughs) you went through a season where it looked like uh, the very um, polar opposite of a promised land. And he's like, I want you to notice why. 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, notice that first phrase, to humble you. Um, This is never God's best. God's best is never for him to humble you. God's best is always for you to humble yourself. Uh, All throughout the the New Testament, in James and Peter specifically, uh, they write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Now notice the parallel, someone changing and then something changing. Someone changing and humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God and then promotion. Someone changing and then breakthrough. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, that God resists the proud. Now, I say this all the time, but it bears saying all the time because it's so important. If God is resisting you, how much progress do you actually think you're going to make? 
And God says, I resist the proud, but I give more grace unto the humble. Why did he take them this way? To humble them. God's best is not uh, to humble you. God's best is for you to humble yourself. I was meditating on this this morning for me because, once again, I never, ever want to feed you something I'm not feeding myself. And really, this whole message is for me, so you just get to be the beneficiary of it. Uh, So out of this, uh, (laughs) this morning I woke up and I was meditating on this again, and the Lord brought to my attention Nebuchadnezzar. You remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel? As a king used by God, even though he wasn't like of God, he was used by God in like big ways, surrounded himself with Israelites who were speaking to him about God, and he's starting to walk with them and be used by him. Like, that's real neat. And uh, out of this, uh, the Lord's prospering him, and the Lord is helping him. The Lord can help you. When I say the Lord is prospering him, don't think money. Uh, in Scripture, the word prosperity means to see progress. I pray, uh, beloved, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That word prosper there means that you see progress along the way. You're not stuck in the wilderness. You see you're getting closer. You see progress. Life is advancing. Life is moving forward. And God says, this is my best for you to see this. I want above all things for you to see progress. But there are some moments in life where we're we're not. But here Nebuchadnezzar is. He's seeing the Lord progress him. He's seeing things happen. He's seeing things move. And one night he goes to sleep and he has a dream. And in the dream he sees this great tree. And off of this tree he sees the most amazing fruit. Uh, Now, anybody else here like love beautiful trees? I mean, like it just does something for me. Like my my sister-in-law used to live in California, and out there, you go for a walk. Others ran. I would walk. If you see me running, stop. Someone's chasing me. I'm in danger. Uh, So out of this, I was walking, uh, and you see these trees, and they're just beautiful. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar sees in the the vision. It's not just a, a, a dream. It's not just a tree. It's massive. And off of it, it has amazing fruit on it. And then he sees something with an axe coming and cutting it down, but leaving the stump. And then the stump grows into something else, and it brings alarm to him. So he comes to Daniel because he knows Daniel's a spiritual man, and he's like, well, you give me the interpretation of the dream. And, and of course, Daniel is anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he sees God be a revealer of secrets. Now, this is interesting and worthy of a rabbit trail for about two minutes. Uh, God can help you so much have a spirit of seeing and knowing. And somebody says, well, what does that mean? It means you have eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands. So everyone else sees the issue with the child, you see why. Everyone else sees the fruit, you see the root. You see what's underground, what people aren't seeing. And so, so many people are just dealing with the fruit, plucking the fruit off the tree. But when you have a spirit of seeing and knowing, you can deal with the root uh, and stop the fruit completely. And so Daniel's like next level. And that's what I'm trying to raise up at Word of Life. It's like some next level Christians, some next level uh, kind of believers. 
And Nebuchadnezzar knows this. He's like, you're a next level kind of guy. Uh, Will you pray about this? And he prays about it, and the Lord shows him the dream, and he has the interpretation. And when he gives the interpretation, and Nebuchadnezzar, he said, here it is, O king. And he said, I wish this for your enemies and not for you, but it is for you. (laughs) He said, you, O king, are are the tree, and the Lord has raised you up. And the fruit that has been produced on you has been with the help of the Lord. But your heart is being lifted up unto pride. And the Lord is coming to cut down that tree. But he's leaving the stump. And when humility comes back into your life, the Lord will lift you up and the Lord will raise you up. How many of you are thankful for a Lord God who can deal with broken things, people who have messed up, made mistakes? Amen. That would be all of us, by the way. Uh, And so out of this, um, he has this dream. And Daniel ends it, uh, the interpretation ends it with like a warning, like it doesn't have to be this way. Well, a year passes because God's patient. A year passes, and Nebuchadnezzar stands up on his balcony. He's overlooking like his kingdom, and he says, my, what a kingdom I have built. And look at the results that have happened under my hand. And that day, he lost it all. Seven years later, the Lord gave him strength to come back up, and he came back up, and when he came back up, he's like, I said it was me, it was actually the Lord. I just saw what would happen when the Lord's grace lifted from my life. It was actually the Lord, everyone, and I just wanted to clarify. Uh, and um, the Lord raised him back up, but here's the point. He could have humbled himself. It is never God's best to humble you. It is always his best that you humble yourself. And what is humility? Jesus stood up in front of his disciples, followers, was teaching a lesson, and he called a child unto him. And when the child came unto him, the Bible says actually a little child, the little child comes unto him. We don't know the child's name, his background, his experience, his education, who his family was, nothing about the child. Jesus calls up the child and he says, unless you humble yourself like this little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. So what is humility? We don't know anything about that child except this. He came. He went. To who? The Lord. Can I ask you a question today? How often do you go to the Lord? Depend on him. Before a meeting, frustrated, what do you do? Do you turn to Snickers <laughs> or, or do you turn to the Lord? I'm tired, what do you turn to? I'm upset, anxious, what do you turn to? Dependency, this is what the Lord wants. I say it all the time, but once again, it bears repeating. The Lord's not looking for perfection. Did, can, did you see what he did with David? You talk about imperfect. The Lord is not looking for perfection. What the Lord is looking for, though, is surrender. I need you for this. Lord, I need your guidance right now. I need your wisdom. Um, 19 years of preaching, no telling how many services. I don't even want to know. Um, 
When I wrote the message, how much did I depend on him? When I walked out of my office, how much did I depend on him? Dependency. He goes on teaching here, um, or it goes on teaching here in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. He humbled you. So once again, we see God humbling. He humbled you and suffered you to hunger, fed you with manna, which thou knewest not. They're like, what is this? And so they called it manna, it was bread. Neither did your fathers even know what it is, that he might make you know, now watch this, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth a man live. The man depends on the Lord. He said, that's the lesson I tried to teach you for 40 years in your wilderness, is depend on me. You're wanting something to change, thinking when something changes, you'll be happy. That if I can just get to the promised land, then I'll have it made. And he's like, no, you're still going to have some walled cities and giants in the promised land. But what you really need is me. And like you've been depending upon bread, that's how I want you dependent upon me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, many of you have heard that before. And it's not from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's actually from another story, which we'll put up on the screen here in Matthew. Uh, They'll put that up on the screen, Matthew 4 and verse 1. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit, and notice, into a wilderness. Same way that God led the children of Israel. Consider the way I led you, God said. Well, what was the way? Through a wilderness. Consider their time frame 40 years. Consider Jesus' time frame 40 days. Because every one of us will be taken through a wilderness, but you decide how long you'll stay there. And he's led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, after, this is like the greatest understatement in all of Scripture. Uh, after not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. It's like, we figured. Uh, and it goes here in verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, notice he said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now let's stop it right here real quick. What is he saying? Change something. In your hand is a stone. It's not what you want. Ask God to change it into what you want. Because when God gives you what you want, then you'll be full. This is temptation. When God changes the something, then you'll be okay. So you're holding in your hand and all around you is something you don't want. Ask God to change it into something you want. And when it does, it will fill you. And when it does, you'll be happy. And when it does, you'll be successful. And when it does, you'll have upward mobility. And when it does, like you'll be okay. Like ask God to take what is around you that is not what you want. Ask him to change it into what you want. And watch what Jesus says here. But he answered, because all of the Jesus narrative is redemption from every mistake they made in the Old Testament. He's redeeming their lack of obedience. He's buying back the same story. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's he saying? 
you think I need something to change in order for me to be sustained. But I'm telling you, I am someone who if all I have is God, I'm okay. And so he says, in this moment, I am not going to make something around me changing, being my substance to my faith. I'm going to make me walking deeply with a heavenly father, the substance upon which my faith stands upon entirely. And Jesus comes out of this wilderness, the Bible says, with the power of the Holy Spirit around him. And then you talk about something changing. It changed so much in Jesus' life that when he, when he went into his own hometown, they're like, who in the world is this? Like, the transformation upon Jesus was so phenomenal. It took a long time, and for some of them, they never got there, of his own hometown to knew who he was before this moment to accept this is the Messiah. When someone captured this heart, something changed all around them. And, and what I just really sense is that for so many of you, this period of transition has, has been something else. And unless you know what that something is, you'll not see the transition that you really want to see. Um, for the last year and a half, I think all of us have gone through transition where the world is changing, church is changing, life is changing, work is changing, schooling was changing, everything at all times changed, 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 changed all around us. Well, in my life, if I'm being honest, I have felt that too. It's like everything is changing. And for us, not only did all of those changes happen, and as a parent, you have children who their education was changing and like all of these kinds of things and church was changing, um, that there were other structural changes like adding another campus and needing more leaders and then some leaders coming in and other leaders exiting and like all of these types of things just transition. Uh, and personally, I had a lot of transition as well and like you're just seeing all of this transition and so one of the things that I've been aware of is health, of like coming to a place where I'm mentally healthy, I'm physically healthy, I'm spiritually healthy, and monitoring my health in each one of those areas. And I was listening to myself one day, because this is one of the, the problems that humanity has, is we don't listen to ourselves. And if you were in a relationship with me and you never listened to me, I doubt you would have a good relationship with me. Um, and so many of you, the reason why you're upset is you don't have a good relationship with yourself because you never listen to yourself. You won't acknowledge that something in you needs to be addressed or something in you needs to be confronted or something in you needs to be, you just numb the voice and keep pressing through. And so you're not happy because you're not happy with you. And the reason you're not happy with you is you're not listening to you. Uh, and so I, I began to just, you know, listen to myself and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I just really felt compelled to do something I hadn't done in a long time. I can't remember in which service I shared this in. It was only one of the three. Uh, but I, I went to my, my father's grave. And I hadn't been there for a long time. Uh, this is not something I do often because I know my father is not there. But I'm there and I'm, I'm looking at his, his grave, and in my soul, I, I went there to uh, um, honestly celebrate. And I know that might sound strange, but let me explain. That was the worst moment of my life. Like, I could remember standing there over 20 years ago feeling devastated 
And when I say devastated, I mean devastated. Uh, Angry, mad, confused because of what? Transition. Life was changing so much. Things were out of my control. And it's like I I, I had certain things in my life die, like literally die, uh, that I couldn't contain. And I didn't know what to do. And, of course, when you're 17 and this is happening, it's amplified um, and that type of thing. But I saw the Lord come in with a mighty hand. And redeem my life and pick me up and through all that transition just you know make life what it is today of what you see of now I have my own children and my own wife and I'm pastoring the church like all of these kinds of things the Lord has been so gracious and so I went out there to remind myself of that that no matter what transition happens in life none will be bigger than that and none will have me at a more vulnerable place than I was when I was 17 And look what the Lord did. And so I just went out there to remind myself of that and to celebrate the faithfulness of the Lord. And so I told him everything that I just told you of all of this transition is happening and said, Lord, uh, I I just see the need to rise to the occasion. Have you ever felt that way before? To like rise up, like like to just rise and be better and like (laughs) that kind of thing. And I'm like... Lord, I will. I will rise to the occasion. Like, and I said, all this transition, I see the need for me to, like, fill in these holes. And, like, I will, Father, and that type of thing. And anyway, the Lord spoke to my heart. And, uh, like, if, you, if you're not familiar with God speaking to you, I'm sorry. This is not the church for you. Like, because, uh, you know, some people say, like, it scares me. None of all these people who say they heard from God. You know what scares me is all these Christians who have never heard from God. Uh, because Jesus plainly says, my sheep know my voice, Uh, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow, which means the shepherd speaks, and the sheep hear, God being the shepherd, me being the sheep, and the reason why is he wants to take me to green pastures, and so for some of you, this could be like the greatest moment of your life of like knowing God can speak to you, yeah, and so I'm standing in front of my father's grave talking this way, And the Lord just speaks to my heart. I'm not talking about something on the outside. I'm talking about a knowing on the inside. Often when God speaks to you, it's just a knowing. Something just drops in you. And I knew on the inside that the Lord spoke this to me. He said, don't call transition what I call metamorphosis. He said, you talked about when you were 17, all the things in life that changed. You moved cities, you moved jobs, you moved, you know, it felt like you moved callings. Uh, Your father passed away, your friendships, because you moved, they all passed away here, and you had to start new friendships, like all of this transition that happened. And then you came back and did it again, took over the church, and saw a transition in the church, and like all of that transition happening. He said, that's all you talked about. But he's like, in the middle of all that transition, what you did not talk about is the metamorphosis. That not only did all those things change, you did. You changed. I said, Lord, you're right. You know what? I did. And I started thinking about all the natural things that changed, about how I made a decision to read all the books in my father's library and uh, made a decision to, like, get rid of my kitchen table and only have a desk. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, at that time I was 19. So, you know, you're, you just go all in. Uh, And, like, all that kind of thing. Uh, And uh, I told him, like, I know, like, I changed in all of those areas. And he said, once again, you're only looking at the natural. He said, something changed in you. He said, do you remember that night on your bathroom floor where you knelt down 
and tears started streaming down your face and you had a list of ministers you could give this church to. He said, in that moment, something died. He said, you wanna know what it was? Pride. You became dependent and that began to change. Then you began to see transition of all the right things, transition of this breaking through and that happening. And over the course of 15 years, everything that you ever saw as a young man and desired, I gave to you. And it's true, he laid it beside me. None of this has been hard. He laid it beside me. And out of all these things, he said that was the breaking moment. And he said, this is what I'm looking for from people and what I need a little bit, honestly, Joel, from you right now is a little bit more dependency. And all this that's going on in the world has made people see the need for something to change. Something must change. And he said, it's true, something needs to change. But before something can change, someones need to change. And before this breakthrough, someone must change. And maybe that someone is you. I shared this with my staff. I'll have to close with this. I shared this with my staff. And after I shared it, Jason uh, came to me and he said, you know, that's, that's like a, a butterfly uh, turning from a, a caterpillar over into a butterfly. And I said, exactly, a metamorphosis. And he said, well, uh, you know, before the butterfly becomes a butterfly, uh, it gets in that cocoon, a very dark place. It feels constricted. It feels tight. It feels bound. Because it's changing. But he said, and I, I did some research on butterflies, and he said, out of this, you don't want to, this is key, you don't want to help the butterfly out of the cocoon. Because if you, out of sympathy, help the butterfly out of the cocoon, you are eliminating the change that needs to be made. Because when the butterfly's wings are strong enough to break out of the cocoon, the butterfly then is strong enough to fly. And if it breaks out before its wings are strong enough, and you help it out of the tight place before its wings are strong enough, it will die without ever flying to the, come on somebody, to the flight, the heights it could fly because its wings were not strong enough. And I'm telling you, uh, in, in our lives, in my life and in yours, it is time for more dependency. It is time for more prayer, more waiting on the Lord, more being still and knowing God is God, more of in the middle of the frustration say, ah, let's pray, uh, more in the middle of the moment say, you know what we need now? We need to worship God. That's exactly what we need to do now. We're not talking about these bills any longer. We're not talking about these things any longer. If God made bread fall from heaven, God can do something about this. God, I depend on you. I rely on you. God, you can move mountains that only you can move. God, I look to you. And God's like, they're getting it. Get, watch out, Gabriel. They're getting it. Something is about to change. And I'm telling you, in that moment, something breaks out. And when it breaks out, something beautiful begins to fly in the earth that did not exist before. 
and even other people look at the beauty of it and admire what God has done in changing a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's profiting appeared unto all. How dependent. I need the Lord. All throughout their story, all they did was complain, Moses prayed. All they did when something wasn't working, it's still stone God. They just complained. Let's go back. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to 2019. You know, let's just go back. Let's 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 go back. And God's like, I think in my kingdom we always go forward. Uh, And out of this, uh, where I'm taking you now is actually higher than where you were. So let's not go back. Let's actually go forward. And in this season, why don't we use it as a metamorphosis? Why don't we use it to become better? Why don't we use it to become more anointed? Why don't we use it to become more prayerful? Uh, he must, uh, we must decrease. Our reliance upon ourselves must decrease. Must. Must. Decrease. So that he must increase. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Something's changing. Someone's changing. Oh, come on, church. Someone's changing. God's doing the work. Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes at all of our campuses. This moment, I'm going to turn it over to our online campus pastors for our online campus. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Ryan at Highland Colony for a Highland Colony campus here at Lakeland. Let's just have a moment where we just examine our heart and just kind of press into the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I know in my own life I want to lay down my pride. And today in me, pride needs to be broken and I need to give myself back to the Lord Jesus. Now, it's so funny, like at the end of some of these services when we talk about needing the Lord, A lot of times we think about everyone else, but I have found periodically in my life, I need a rededication. That I I need to dedicate more of my attention and my thoughts and my my faith uh, to the Lord. Take my eyes off the wind and waves and back onto Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Joel, this is, this is me. I want to I give my heart to the Lord, maybe for the first time. Or I want to give my heart to the Lord in rededication. If that is you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you do something right now? No one's looking, no one's going to look around. But if this is you, would you just lift your hand unto the Lord all over the place? Hands going up all over the room. Amazing, 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 amazing. Now, in this moment, let's pray, everybody, whether you have your hand raised or not. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. My past is over. All my mistakes are under the blood. There are no chains on me any longer. I am free. As Samson was bound and blinded and recovered an inward sight and a physical freedom, Today, Lord Jesus, I say I am no longer bound or blind. Restore to me, Father, a vision. Let my eyes see what you have for me. 
see who I'm called to be. And I thank you, Father. No chains can be on me any longer. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And today, by your Spirit, Lord, I am free in Jesus' name. God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Savior. Satan, you're under my feet. I am a child of God. And today is the beginning of the best days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Oh, come on, church. Celebrate for yourself. Celebrate for someone else. Amen, amen, amen. Someone is changing. Something is changing. Someone is changing. Something is changing. Change, it is starting right now. Amen, amen.